Good morning, church. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word. It'll be in Psalm 25. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O oh God, out of all his troubles. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, y'all. All right, give me just a second here. So... Welcome to everybody, especially to our young ones. It's normally who I'm hanging out with on most Sundays. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm Trey. I'm a member here. I'm at Trailview, for those of you who don't know me. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, I think maybe that was either family or, or it was Nathan. Hey, Nathan. Um, and so, um, so I, um, I fry bread for a living, but I also am a high school science teacher, uh, we actually just got out of school two days ago, so I know that many of y'all have been like on like summer mode for like probably a week, two weeks, three weeks, or maybe, I don't know, like all the time. Um, and, uh, and so like we just literally got out on Friday, so I'm like adjusting to real life. I like walked outside today and there was like sunshine and butterflies everywhere, and I'm like, this is life. How amazing. So this is the most hopeful you'll ever see me um, today coming in here. So I hope that it reflects in our passage. Um, and for all of our, our young ones, this is, okay, this is, this is more for the parent, the parent aspect of it, because I know that sometimes we're not necessarily used to like in the service, like our kids, like being here. Um, I want to introduce all of the dads in here to something called box breathing. You breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, out for four seconds and hold for four seconds. If it like you struggle with that, you like you can hold that for longer, and at some point you'll pass out. It'll be great. Um, but uh, I do want us to. We're going to jump into to Psalm 25 
Um, and I do, I love the Psalms. Um, they're like, I, they're, sometimes they're difficult to preach. I mean, to be honest with you, um, because whenever we look at the Psalms, they're so honest. Uh, and so there's all of these kind of, you know, lofty things that are said about um, God and our feelings for him. But also there's times when there's, it gets really real and emotional. And what makes it difficult sometimes to preach about them is that you'll like be reading along and it's something that like, sounds like, oh man, this is beautiful, this will preach, this will be amazing. And then you kind of hit a verse that if somebody said to you in real life, you'd be like, all right, settle down, buddy. Like, just chill out, because it's like, yeah, okay, the, the Lord, he's, the, you know, his word is the light into my feet. You know, it's like, all right, yeah, I can get behind that. Then it's like, crush my enemies. All right, no, we're going to like, <laughs> just settle down there, Deb. You know, like, let's just chill out. You know, if somebody said that to us, we would want to like kind of like press into that. And what I appreciate about the Psalms is that it is actually, it's very real um, that we have these sorts of feelings. We have these sorts of thoughts. Now, what we do have is we have the fullness of the gospel to speak into the Psalms. And so we can look at them and see, you know, and see the areas of where um, God presses into even our reactions and responses to him. But I do appreciate how honest that they are. Um, and I think that they are reflective of where our hearts want to go sometimes, but always come back to um, the truths of Scripture. Um, now, Psalms themselves are, because of their honesty, I think that they are kind of uh, the heartbeat of the Bible in a lot of ways because they are so real um, that there is a tension between the lofty views that we have of God um, and the, the things that we, you know, that we sing, the things that we praise, the things that, that um, we know, at least in our, in our head knowledge, to be true. Um, but also, there is that zoomed-in, um, kind of walking-the-road, dusty view of life, um, you know, where it's, sometimes it's hard for us to see God, or it's hard for us to hear God, or it's hard for us to trust in Him. And that, that is reflected also, and that there's truths that speak into that. And so I, I, I so appreciate that. Psalm 25 really does a great job of bridging both of those things. There's going to be this reminder of who God is, reminder of His character, reminder of what He has done and what He will continue to do for you. But there's also a realness to it, to the times when that is hard for us to hold on to. That is hard for us to kind of get our minds around. Um, this is both a psalm of lament, which means that there's some repentance in it, there's some cries for justice, there's some cries for mercy, but really the psalm itself is kind of like a wisdom psalm, that it is giving you a picture of what to cling to, what to turn to. Um, it's an acrostic uh, so it was meant to be memorized. It was meant to be um, something that you would sing and that you would go back to. And the theme that I think that we'll see in Psalm 25 and where we're going to lean is just a theme of trust, of who do we put our trust in? Obviously God, but why do we put our trust in there? What are the things that we can really lean into with that trust? Um, <clears throat> There is, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to share uh, some writings from him here in a little bit, but there is a, an interesting dude named Ma, uh, Malcolm Geit. I don't know if y'all are familiar with him or not. Uh, but he is uh, he's a poet, 
songwriter, biker, Anglican priest. Um, and, uh, and he, in looking at uh, Psalm 25, says that uh, it puts earthly life in a heavenly perspective, which is what we all need. You know, we all need to be able to have um, a heavenly perspective to our earthly life. And so what we're going to see as we go through Psalm 25, I'll tell you kind of like where we're going, a little roadmap for it, is that we are going to see that we trust in the Lord for, for many things more than this, but for in this passage, four things. We trust in the Lord for His guidance. We trust in, in the Lord because of His goodness. We trust in the Lord to the praise of His glory. And then we trust in the Lord resting in His grace. I think we'll see aspects of that as we get into it. So I'm going to pray for us, then we're going to jump in, and uh, we're just going to see what the Lord's going to do with His Word for us today. Let's pray. God, I just ask um, that uh, Your Word would uh, just be the star of the show today, Lord, Um, that You would speak to our hearts, um, that You would slow us down, Um, that you would open up our eyes, that you would, Lord, help us to see um, the areas of our life that um, we need to trust you in, all of the areas of our life that we need to trust you in. Uh, And so, God, I pray that that you would speak to us. I pray to you, Lord, that the words that David wrote would be words that we would also uh, be able to Um, echo as we go through. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so I'm going to read verses 1 through 3 of of Psalm 25, and then we're going to kind of jump in through it. And so uh, verse 1 says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. I want us to focus on those first, um, like this first couple of verses. Actually, that first, even that first line, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Um, Whenever I was looking at this passage and trying to kind of like chop it up, I kept coming back to that first verse, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Now, I don't know about where you are in your, um, your journey as a Christian, if, you, if it's something that's new to you, if it's something that has been your entirety of your life. Um, but I know that we can have the tendency uh, for there to be kind of like churchy language or Bible language that it's like, okay, that sounds really flowery and good. Like that sounds singable. Like I can do that, but it's like, but what, what is that saying? Uh, and I, I mean, I, the first thing that whenever I see that, I think to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Yeah, I, of course I can get behind that, right? Like I can, I can get behind lifting up my soul. Well, then it's like, what does that mean? What is that communicating? Uh, and while we're not going to like land on every single verse in here quite as heavenly, I think that we would really be doing a disservice if we don't stop at this very first verse and just think about that, that David is sitting down to write this psalm. This is a psalm where he is communicating um, 
deep truths about what he believes about who God is and God's character and God's ability to save and God's ability to pull him out of um, tough situations and for God's ability to be his redeemer. And he stops and he says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. So I was thinking about that, that lifting up your soul. I mean, now, whenever I first think, I think of it in like the terms of almost like an offering, you know, like I lift up my soul to you. Like here's like kind of like coming like with a sacrifice. And I think that there's definitely an element to that of saying like, hey, I'm coming to you with me. This is what I got. Um, And in looking at um, like that meaning of what it means for us to, to lift up our soul, um, that is dealing with our desires. That really what, what David is communicating here is he's saying that I, um, I desire you. But even more so than that, what he's saying when he's saying, I lift up my soul to you, and this is a little, a little more clunky than I lift up my soul. It's not nearly as beautiful. But he's saying, I set my desire on you. I'm coming to you, God, and I'm setting my desires to you. Now, if we can walk out of here, if we can walk out of here with just that verse itself, sinking in 5% will be better than when we came in. That we come in and we say, God, I set my desires on you. So before we even get into the word and even at the end of it, I want us to, to kind of lock that in of our desires that we have. And I'll and admit to you, I mean, oftentimes I'm not waking up in the morning and thinking, ah, I set my desires on you, Lord. Um, but David is starting here, he's saying, like, hey, before anything, God, I set my desire on you. It makes me think of... Uh, when your kids first start to when your when your kids first start to walk, uh, you know, like they you know they got their personalities, they're stumbling around and stuff, and um, being a parent or an uncle or you know or whatever like this, it's it's a beautiful thing. But like the first time that they like come up to you, stumble up and they put their hands in the air for you to pick them up. That's what I think about that David is saying here, when he's saying, I set my desire on you. Because whenever a kid comes to you and they put their arms up, there is pure, like, trust. They're like, you, I want you. <laughs> and that feels really, really good. Especially when, like, you're the dad and they normally want mom. <laughs> and they're like, no, I want you. It's like, yes, until they see mom. And then they're like, mom. And that's fine, too. Um, but there's this childlike abandon. I lift my soul to you. Uh, and so that's, that's just like the, the posture that I want us to have in this, that, that in these first few verses that we set our souls, we set our desires on him, we put, he says, oh my God in you I trust, let me not be put to shame, and indeed none who wait for you will be put to shame. So these first three verses speak to what I think is a core need that is universal. We want to have a feeling of acceptance that there is someone, something out there that accepts us for who we are 
and ultimately that we would be forgiven or that our shame, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have to have any shame or embarrassment in that. And so David is coming to God and saying, hey, you're the one who has that. I want all of you, and if you could deal with, <laughs> if you could deal with me, that'd be great. And so he wants that, 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 that's kind of woven into our, our need for God and our need for worship is that, um, that ability to be accepted but also be forgiven. And so he's speaking to that. All right, so we, that's our overarching thing is for us to keep in mind this idea that we set our desires on God as we go through and look to see what it means for us to trust him and to walk with him. And obviously, this is, there's so much depth to this that we'll be kind of hitting the surface. But in many things, that what I find with this is that whenever we're looking at how Scripture teaches us to approach God, is that's this cyclical thing where we're reminded we start with who God is, it reflects on who we are, it brings us back to who He is, and it's a rinse and repeat that we continue to walk in. All right, so... The first like, major point for us to see is that when we trust in God, we trust God for his guidance. Let's look at verse 4 and 5. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation, and for you I wait all the day long. Um, I love the, just even the wording in this is that it's not... Um, what David is coming to God for is he's saying, all right, I'm surrendering to you. Um, I know that you're the only one who can deal with my shame. Lord, make me to know your ways. Teach me your paths. He is coming to the source of the solution. And so make me to know your ways. Teach me to know your paths. Lead me in your truth. All of these things are requests that he is making to God because he understands that God is the one who can guide him through life. He is the one that he needs to set his eyes on. Um, and so lead me in the truth. Teach me. For you are the God of my salvation, and for you I wait all the day long. He's not coming to God, as I know that I often do, uh, but where with the idea of like, God, please just like bless this mess. <laughs> you know, like, I'm coming to you with these issues. Can you take care of those issues? You know, and like, you know, but not like coming to him and saying, all right, God, I want to follow you. What are your ways, God? Can you help me to see them? Can you teach me your paths? And we have the fullness of this that David didn't have. We have the fullness of Scripture. We have the fullness of the gospel. We have an understanding that God has come and done these things for us, that he has given us the ability to know his word, to know his will, to follow him. And he is just tossing this up to him saying, no, I know that I can follow you. I know that, that you can guide me. And what I really love about this is the expectation that David has here. He's not saying like, you know, he says that lead me in your truth and teach me because for you are the God of my salvation and for you I wait all the day long. He is expectant to see God guide him. I can't always say that for myself, um, that I'm expectant to see God. I, I, I get wrapped up in 
in worry. I get wrapped up in um, feelings of inadequacy. I get wrapped up in feelings of shame. I get wrapped up in feelings of doubt. Um, and I get locked in with these things. But what David is coming here is saying, he's saying, I know that you can, can guide me in these things, and I'm going to wait for you. I know that you are the one who can guide me. And so we trust God because of his guidance, and then we also we trust him because of his goodness. So we're going to see this in verse 6. Um, I'm going to read verses 6 through 10, and then we're going to come back and, and look at a few. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions, according to your steadfast love. Remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right, and he teaches the humble his way. All of the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. And so, we, um, what I, I, um, I love the, the, the humanity in verses 6 and 7, because I think that, um, that as David is going through and he is coming to God with his problems, he, David has a, a, a decent understanding of the problems with the human condition. We have this God-sized hole that we need to turn to him. We have this dealing that we're of, of inadequacy and shame and sin that we need to have some sort of uh, rectification for. We need some sort of redemption from. Uh, and uh, he comes in verse 6 and 7 with what we all want, right? Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been, they have been from old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. So I love that, that he just starts with like, hey God, remember you're merciful, and two, remember, don't remember my sin. <laughs> like, can we have that at least? Like, you be you and forget about me, right? Um, and I mean, and, and that's, I mean, what I appreciate about it is that that is so honest. I mean, he's recognizing in his trouble, which we're going to find out here in just a little bit, there's a deep trouble that's going on in his soul. Um, and he's saying, hey, God, remember your mercy. Remember who you are. Now, does David really need God to remember who he is? No. <laughs> David needs to remember who God is. God's, God's not going to forget. God's not going to be like, oh, yeah, that's right. All right, I'm merciful. Um, but for David's sake, he's saying, hey, God, help me to remember your mercy and remember not the sins of my youth and my transgressions. And for what reason? For your goodness. Because you're good. Because David's not. And David knows that he's not. So he's saying, hey, will you, God, will you help me to lean into your mercy? And it says that, <clears throat> excuse me, good and upright um, is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. And so um, what we see here in verses 8 through 10 is that um, not only is God good, not only is God merciful, but God is also personal in the sense that he will instruct us in the way. So when we go to him and we say, hey, will you guide me and lead me? He will do that. Why? Because he is good. Um, because 
He will guide us because He leads the humble in what is right. We come to Him and He will, he will lead us. And it says, All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep His covenant and His testimonies. And you see throughout Psalm 25 that there's this covenant language. Um, David is leaning on the promises that God has made that God will redeem his people, that God is who he says he is. Uh, and so he's leaning on the goodness as a cornerstone for the trust that he has in him. <clears throat> the next point, so we remember um, we trust God because of his goodness. And then in verse 11, we're going to start seeing a little bit of a shift verse 11, we're going to trust God to the praise of His glory. It says, For your namesake, O Lord, this is verse 11, For your namesake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He makes known to them His covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for He will pluck my feet out of the net. And so David knows that like he's kind of uh, he's putting all of his chips in the fact that God is who He says He is, that He can trust God with His soul, that He would guide him, that He is good. And he says, "For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great." He knows that the only hope and the only chance that he has is to turn to God alone and that God will do that for his namesake because God is who he says he is. And it points me actually um, into Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read a, um, Ephesians chapter 1. You don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1 verses 11 um, through 14. And just a, like a super quick introduction to Ephesians chapter 1 if you've never read it. It's like the world's craziest run-on sentence for like an entire chapter um, where what Paul is doing is just exulting in the fact that God has sent Jesus to redeem us. Uh, and so he is like starting from the beginning, and it's like you can tell how excited he is by how repetitive he is in letting us know that the gospel is the great story of all of time. And that everything is wrapped up in God's redemptive work through Jesus. The meaning of life, go to Ephesians 1. You can read it. And so we're going to kind of jump in in the middle. Like they kind of chopped it up into paragraphs. But really, Paul's just going on and on and on and on. You know, kind of like whatever like random aunt that you have on Facebook who only like taps and types like with no punctuation whatsoever and just like keeps going. That's what Paul is doing right here. And no offense to any of y'all like, I do that. Okay, that's great. That's great. There's an app called Grammarly that will correct that. You need to, you need to check it out, okay? Because I always read those like a crazy rant, and I know that's not what you mean. All right, so verse 11, In Him, in Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. 
In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee for our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Um, I think it can sometimes, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself in this, um, at times, like if... Um, we get kind of turned off, I think, sometimes by the idea of someone doing something for their own glory, for their own namesake. Because for us, we try to do that a lot with a lot of things, and we kind of look silly in the process. But when we're talking about God and who He is, that, of course, He is saving us, not because we're awesome, but because He is. And because, not because we ourselves are inherently lovable, but because He is eternally and infinitely loving. And so when He does this, when He sends Jesus, we have this inheritance of Him, and it is all to His praise and all to His glory. Not so that we can be like, yeah, I finally figured this thing out, I cracked the code, I got this Christian thing down. But no, that the glory returns to the Lord. And so David even comes into Psalm 25 and he says, yeah, Pardon my guilt for your name's sake. I want to, to, to follow you, Lord, will you pardon me? And he's just even just looking forward to the day of there being this redemption in Jesus. When we get to look back on that and to see the fullness of that, that in him, this is you, if you believe in Jesus, this is you. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Our trust in, in God and what He has done is based in this idea that God it does it for His glory, does it for His namesake, and we can trust in it. We were sealed with the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. David goes on to talk about Fearing the Lord. Who is the man who fears the Lord? And that phrase can kind of be weird to us sometimes. This fear that we're talking about is the awe and reverence that we should have when we come to God. Not a fear that drives us away because, the, because that barrier has been, has been destroyed through Jesus. But that we have an awe and a... Um, we have the, this, this awe and worship that comes, from, uh, that comes from us being able to see God for who He is. And so it talks about who will fear the Lord, then He'll be instructed. Your soul will abide in well-being. Your offspring shall inherit the land. And we have that, that full inheritance in Jesus. And it says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him, and He makes known to them His covenant. Um, and that phrase there, that friendship of the Lord... Is um, it's kind of uh, a weird interpretation of like his secret counsel. Like if you had a friend who could give you like the best advice, <laughs> who could tell you about how things really are and ought to be, that that friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him and for those of us who walk in Jesus. We have our eyes opened to the truth. We have access to that friendship of the Lord to the secret counsel of him. And so those things point us also back to Jesus and point us to God.
And he says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. And that reminds me of Colossians chapter 3, where it talks about setting our eyes on Christ. And even setting, like in our earthly circumstances, setting our eyes on heavenly things, which comes back to Psalm 25. The last point that I really want us to look at in verse 16 is whenever we zoom in. Uh, it's whenever we really get back, get down to um, that from like this kind of lofty view of God and his redemptive plan. Um, and then it zooms, like David zooms back in almost to me like it's like, and he realizes and remembers what's going on like in his life. But we trust in him, not just to the praise of his glory, but we trust in him by resting in his grace. And we're going to see this starting in verse, uh, verse 16. Actually, even before it, I'm going to read verse 15 again, where it says, My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. And as I read this, I want us just to notice the shift in tone and notice and think about, um, I'm not trying to like, and now think of sad things. But for us to think about the times when we're the most anxious or to think about the times when we doubt the most or the times when things are shaken. And I want us to kind of mentally teleport there because that's where David goes. So David is setting us up and letting us know how big God is, how amazing he is, how we can trust him, how we can turn to him, how we can trust him because he's all for his glory, how we can trust him because he's all good and we can look at him. And, and, but then he kind of zooms in and he, he needs this applied now. Not as just a future promise. Verse 16, he says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. So we got like lofty language here, and now he's like, I am lonely. I am afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my afflictions and my trouble, and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Guard my soul, deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. And then he ends, as this is a, you know, a psalm that's also going to be sung in the assembly, Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. <clears throat> so, <laughs> David brings us down to eye level. And he's saying that, I know all of these things are true, but God, right now, right now, will you turn to me and be gracious to me? I'm lonely, I'm afflicted, my troubles are killing me, <laughs> my distresses are great, my affliction, my trouble, my sins need to be forgiven. And so he comes, like he, he has the big view, and I think a lot of times we have the big view, we can answer the questions, we can go through kind of like in the, you know, the workbook and we can kind of fill out the questions on the big things, but then in the moment, is it true? In the moment, can we trust it? In the moment, can we turn to it? And David is saying yes. I'm lonely and afflicted, and I know that you can be gracious to me. I know that you can forgive my sins. I know that I can trust and rest in your grace. 
And so as it zooms in to his, his life, um, that he knows that he is the one who can guard his soul, who can deliver him, um, who can take away that shame, who that he can put his trust and his refuge in. And in these moments, and in this moment where David is, is um, pouring out this anguish for what is going on, and he is reminding himself of these true things, what he is doing is he's filling the tank for this to begin anew. You could almost just continue and read Psalm 25 on a repeat because we get down to the end of it. And my integrity and uprightness preserve me. I will wait for you. And what do we start with in verse 1? To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. And so this is a pattern. This is We see this throughout Scripture. We see this when we read the epistles that Paul starts us off by reminding us who God is, what He has done, and now we can walk in it. So we can walk in it, so we can remind ourselves and others of who God is and what He has done, so that whenever we're walking through the difficult stuff, we can trust in it, so that, and it begins and it continues. And so that we can walk in this wisdom and we can trust that God is for us. Um, I'm going to read a short um, short poem that Malcolm Guide had written. It was called A New Perspective, uh, and it was from Psalm 25, like inspired from that. And this is what he said. He says, the gates will open for us both. Look up. I hear that voice each day when I'm downcast. I hear it when I've almost lost my hope. And now, when I'm entangled by my past, my feet are netted by, are netted by necessity snared in the traps of time that bind so fast. My eyes turn downward, dimmed by what they see. I hear that voice again, and I raise my eyes, and he untangles me, and he sets me free. He alters my perspective. The wide skies speak of his mercy, and the distant hills stand in his steadfast love and make me wise. In his simplicity, in all my ills, Diminish and recede to their true size, that I might find peace in all that he wills. And so when our, we find ourselves like David, where our eyes are downcast, we can remember his voice. We can remember who he is, and we can have that perspective, and we can, put, we can set things back to the truth and recalibrate to the truth. And so with the, our perspective shifted, we can raise our hands just like an expectant and that needy child, and we can look at verse 1 that says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you will be put to shame. And so this is our part for, to reflect. I want us to think about that. I want us to think about, do we live a life where we, our soul is lifted up to God? Do we live a life where we come to Him and we say that I set my desires on you? And the truth is, is that we have access to Him to be able to turn our souls over to Him, to be like David, to be dependent, to be expectant, 
to see God move in our life, um, for us to be able to walk with Him, um, that the shame that we have is now a song of our salvation that we have been redeemed from, um, that the enemies, the true enemies that we have of sin and death and shame have been killed and conquered on the cross, that we have an inheritance that has been secured for us, for God, for His glory and His namesake, um, that we are a friend of God and no longer a foe of His, and we have access to the realities and the secrets of what life is all about, that we have His covenant and we have His promises that are secured for us in Scripture and that we know that we're sealed with with the Holy Spirit and that ultimately, just like David, we have been plucked from the net, that we have been plucked from our destruction, both in the grand sense, but that God is also here for us, um, like that he's, he's both lofty but also local that He is here for us in the day-to-day so that whenever we can say these big truths, but then we get down into the actual, like, the, the, the grind of a daily life, that we can turn to Him and we can trust in Him. And so what I would say to you, those of you who are Christians in the room is that, um, <laughs> like, let's make it easy. Can we make verse 1 our prayer today. Just verse 1. I think the rest will we'll, we'll fill in. But can we make verse 1 our prayer today that we would lift our souls to Him and ask Him to guide us and ask Him to, to, for us to be able to trust in Him and to, and to live for His glory and to cling to His grace. Can we do that? Can we lift up our souls to Him? If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, Um, I pray that today would be that case, that God loves you so much that he would give his very life for you as a sacrifice for the life that you're unable to live, Um, that he lived the perfect life that you couldn't, he died the death that we deserve because of our sin and rebellion, and he conquered the grave so that we could have new life in him, and that we can walk this in the reality that through the grind and the, the hardness of life that we have Um, a God that we can trust to be at our side, that we can lift our souls to and we can walk with. I'm going to ask the the band to come up, um, and this is what I I want us to do. Let's go ahead, and I'm going to ask everybody to stand. We're going to close in prayer here in just a second. Will you stand with me? Let's go ahead and just close our eyes and bow our heads for just a second. And I'm going to close this in prayer. Before we do that, what I'm just going to ask is I'm just going to read these verses over us. And I just would ask that you would, in your prayer, that you would have have just a time of prayer to God and say, God, would you make this true? Would you show me and make this true for me now? that I would be a person who would do this. So let's close our eyes and bow our heads, and I'm just going to read this here. To you, O Lord, we lift up our souls. Oh my God, we trust in you. Let us not be put to shame. Let our enemies not exult over us. Lord, would you help us to not be put to shame?
But God, would you help us to lift our souls and set our desires on you. God, I pray that you would make this true in my life, Lord. That you would um, give me clarity in the times of difficulty, in the times of anxiety, in the times of um, doubt or feeling lost or confused, um, and even the times of joy and the times of plenty, that, Lord, you would help this, make this my prayer, that we would lift our souls to you and trust in you, like your servant David. Not perfectly, but resting on you who is perfect. And so, God, would you make this just our anthem and our prayer as we go into a time of worship? And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.